And Lord, we declare that knowing you, there is no greater thing. Lord, that's why we're here today, because we want to know you more, because we delight ourselves in knowing you. Lord, you are uh, the best. Uh, there's nothing better than you. We, uh, we love you. We love having a relationship with you. Lord, we want to know you in, uh, in Christ. We want to know the power of your sufferings. We want to know uh, who you are and what you're all about. And so, Lord, we, uh, we declare that we want to know you, that we want to know you more. And, Lord, help us to, uh, to do that. Help us to go further with you today. Uh, Lord, we declare your praises because we do know you and because you've made yourself known through Jesus Christ. Lord, it's in his name that we bring our requests before you this morning. Lord, we praise you that you are the God of life, that, Lord, you control life in the womb, and, uh, Lord, you create life, you bring life about. And, Lord, we praise you for uh, these new babies that have been welcomed into the, uh, the world, welcomed into the church and greater church. We praise you for the birth of Walter Lauder, we thank you, Lord, for his uh, life and the health that you've given him so far. We pray you'll continue to bless him, that you'll protect his young life, be with him, be with his mom, uh, Sarah Fedora Louder. And uh, Lord, we pray you'll bless Dave and Dale as they visit him. Uh, we pray you'll bless uh, Joe and Ruthann as they welcome a great-grandchild to the, to the family. And Lord, we just pray that you'll bless the family through the birth of Walter. We pray, Lord, that uh, he would come to know you at a young age and that he would have the joy of knowing you. Uh, so, Lord, we pray that you'll just be with the Fedora Lauder families this weekend as they, uh, uh, as they marvel and wonder at the birth of, of Walter. And, Lord, we also pray for uh, the Croce family and uh, for Holly's family as they welcome Riley Ann into their lives. We thank you, Lord, for uh, uh, the healthy delivery of Riley Ann. We thank you that uh, Holly's doing well and Alex is doing well. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll bless her young life. Uh, we pray you'll bless her, uh, uh, her brother and sister. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, uh, pray that Riley Ann would... Uh, delight in knowing you and come to know you and uh, Lord that that would be the delight of her life as uh, she learns more about you we pray Lord that you would just give Riley Ann many good days uh, here at the beginning of her life and uh, Lord that you would just be with uh, be with that family Lord we pray for uh, for other uh, needs we pray for Nancy Peterson as she found out she's going to need six more weeks of uh, no weight on her leg we do pray Lord for healing we do pray, Lord, you'll uh, help Nancy to endure these six more weeks. We pray for Sue as she's uh, helping to take care of her sister. And, uh, Lord, we just pray for continued healing there. We also pray for uh, Gail Brown, who uh, is not only recovering from the ankle surgery, but now she has this severe abdominal pain. We pray for relief for her. We pray that this blockage can get uh, completely worked out. Pray for healing for her. Lord, we pray for uh, Betty and John's sister, Isabel. We pray for peace for Isabel as she's been taking care of her husband who has dementia. We just pray, Lord, that you'll work in that situation. Uh, we pray that you'll give Isabel strength and energy and, and Lord, just, uh, just some peace in all she's dealing with. We pray for Kelly Peterson as she had uh, the high blood pressure and elevated heart rate last weekend. We pray, Lord, that those things would stay uh, stay down and stay in the normal levels. We pray that you'll uh, continue to, to bless Kelly and, and uh, guide her along. 
We pray, Lord, for uh, Rosie's brother Chuck as he got this really uh, disturbing medical report that the cancer has spread all through his body. We pray, Lord, for miracle, miraculous healing for Chuck. We pray, Lord, that you would open Chuck's heart to receive the gospel. And, uh, Lord, that he would uh, just uh, really think about Jesus uh, in light of this medical report, in light of the time that he has left. We pray, Lord, that you would draw Chuck close to you. We pray for uh, Dave Fedoris. He recovers from AFib. We thank you, Lord, that he was able to get out of the hospital quickly last weekend. We pray for healing and wisdom for him. We pray this morning for Rafa Plummer, uh, Ed's mom, who fell out of her wheelchair this week. We pray, Lord, that uh, soreness would heal and bruises would heal. Uh, we pray, Lord, that Rafa would receive good care. And uh, Lord, just be with the family as they try to make the best decisions for her. Lord, we pray for Tim Cummings this morning, and we're, uh, Lord, disappointed to hear in his medical report, uh, Lord, that he's battling stage four lung cancer. Lord, I pray you would give him strength, give him courage. Uh, Lord, help him with eating as this has become uh, difficult for Tim. Uh, we thank you for the, uh, the many years that Tim and his uh, wife have served uh, doing missions. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just meet this need in their lives we pray for uh, energy for Tim and help with all the side effects of the treatments. Uh, we thank you that there is this uh, uh, experimental pill that he's able to do, and we pray, Lord, that it would yield results. Lord, we pray for Don's niece, Lynn, as she had a scan done and it revealed a spot. We pray uh, that uh, it would not turn out to be uh, uh, se severe. Uh, we pray, Lord, for Lynn as she consults with the doctors. Lord, we pray for a, a BCS student who will be having heart surgery on August 23rd. We pray, Lord, that that surgery would be successful and that uh, the student would experience uh, uh, your healing power. Lord, we pray for the kayak trips that are coming up. We pray that these would be fun times, safe times out on the water. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we have some in our church who, uh, who have kayaks and who have the, uh, the wisdom to be able to, to lead these trips. Uh, we pray that these will be good times of fellowship for the youth and also for uh, the men. Uh, Lord, we pray for our Missionary of the Month, Chosen People. We pray you'll bless that ministry as they try to tell uh, the world and Jews about Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful that we have Caitlin with us this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would be with her as she gives us an update. We pray that you would prepare her for all that you uh, have her to do in Chad. And we thank you, Lord, for her heart, for, uh, for missions, and for serving you. Uh, I pray that you'd bless her today as she comes and continue to uh, provide the support that she needs. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are privileged to have uh, Caitlin Hill with us this morning to uh, tell us about her preparing to go on mission to Chad. Uh, she spent the last uh, several months in France uh, getting ready to go to Chad. Um, we took her on as a, as a church to support her uh, a little while ago, and uh, we even did our VBS offering last summer to support her, and that was a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, so Caitlin has uh, grown up uh, knowing about Jesus, grew up in the church. She has a, uh, a heart for the Lord, and uh, she's accepted God's call in her life for missions. So, Caitlin, tell us more about uh, what you've been up to. Thanks, Pastor Sky. Thank you all for having me here today with you and greetings from Calvary Baptist. 
And thank you so much for your prayers for me this past year. Uh, God has really answered those prayers and shown me a lot of kindness. And I learned French. J'ai appris beaucoup de français, mais il reste encore beaucoup que je dois apprendre, mais j'ai commencé et ça c'est bon. So I learned a lot, but I have a lot more to learn. <laughs> But God was very, very kind to me, and I love this verse. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. I was taught a bit how to live like this as the Lord's servant, but I also received kindness from so many people. Um, in the very beginning, Okay. In the very beginning, uh, God showed a lot of kindness to me by giving me a roommate. So some of you knew I was supposed to live alone. That was the plan. And my family, there's seven, eight, there's a lot of us at home and I've never lived by myself. I lived in college with like 70 girls and at home with seven. So I was a little worried about living by myself, but trusting God but he provided a friend um, for me and she is actually now coming to Chad. Um, so you can also lift her up in prayer. Her name is Morgan. And then there was a local church there, all French speaking church that showed me a lot of kindness. They were very patient with me and it's really because of them that I got to practice French. I went to classes all day, every day, or four days a week, but then with my French friends, a lot of people from the church, they listened to me talk like a two-year-old <laughs> and they were incredibly patient and faithful to preach the gospel and so I'm really thankful for them. One of the things that the church did was they ran an outreach to international students. And so because of that, uh, I was really able to, me and Morgan, as well as this girl in the middle, um, she was a believer as well, and we all went to the same language school. And we really got to begin sharing the gospel with students that had never heard it before. Students from a lot of Eastern Asian countries. Uh, these girls are from Japan and Taiwan, but there was a lot. <laughs> and it was so exciting to be able to begin sharing the Bible with them. And so we did this thing called Discovery Bible Study, which I highly recommend. It's very easy. You don't have to teach. You just ask a couple questions. What does this passage teach us about God? What does this passage teach us about people? And then how can we obey it? So you just read one chapter, maybe not even a chapter. A few times in our study, we had to define words because all of us were talking in our second languages and sometimes there was a little bit of confusion. <laughs> but we, we learned the story, we learned the words, and our goal was for these girls to be able to read the Bible independently and understand it. Because we knew we only had a short time and then we were gonna go to Chad, they were gonna go back to Japan and Taiwan, and we weren't going to be able to continue doing this. And praise the Lord, um, his spirit moved, he opened their hearts, especially the girl in the purple. It was amazing to hear the understanding that she had. And she started reading on her own outside of the study and really understanding essential gospel truth. So please pray for her. Her name is Ako, A-K-O. And 
she seems very close to believing. And so she has a Bible now, and we're praying for her and that she would continue to read it. This study is something that I'll do in Chad a lot. Like I will be praying for opportunities to do a discovery Bible study with Muslim women particularly, but anyone. (laughs) And then God showed kindness through friends, and I kind of mentioned this already, but this is probably our closest friend who she is French, and but she also is fluent in English, so she just taught us so much. Um, She had us over to her house in the very beginning of while we were there. We played games, we ate French fruit food, and then this is her roommate like teaching us grammar because they were both, (laughs) their like full-time undergrad is grammar. And so they loved grammar and it was just the perfect friends for me to find while I was in language school. No one else loves discussing grammar, but they did. And so they explained everything, and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I need. So they would whip out that little whiteboard if we ever had questions, and they would be like, okay, so this and this, and it was perfect. (laughs) So here's some of the food I ate, because lots of people ask about that. Camembert, fondue, foods that I bought at the market, saucisson, les haricots verts, et des pâtes, pasta and green beans. And then I also, it's going to be hard for me to read this quote from here. Um, I also was taking culture classes while I was in language school. So one of the themes of what we discussed was is really captured in this quote right here. But we were studying culture in general. So not necessarily French culture or Chadian culture, but more how does a Christian share the gospel no matter what culture they're in. So that was, that was our goal, and I, I think this quote sums it up well. The gospel must be distinguished from all human cultures. It is divine revelation, not human speculation. Since it belongs to no one culture, it can be adequately expressed in all of them. The failure to differentiate between the gospel and human cultures has been one of the great weaknesses of modern Christian missions. Missionaries too often have equated the good news with their own cultural background. So we learned how to separate Christianity from American culture, since that's our culture, and then how to share it adequately with others. And it was very helpful. And so now, Chad. Um, I will be working, I'm moving to Chad the 29th, And I will be working with a lady named Catherine, and she has been teaching in Chad for a while. And I'm just kinda gonna share her story because these are all of the things that I am now going to be doing. (laughs) So as I share her story, you will understand how I'm going to be working. So she started by homeschooling her own children. I won't be doing that, I have no children. Um, And then she worked in a missionary school which has since closed down. And so now she was, well, after that, she started working with local Chadian children, friends of hers, children of friends of hers who were really, really struggling with reading. And she had great success, like teaching these children how to read in months, and then they got it and it clicked and it was great. 
And so she started uh, teacher training seminars. She started a teacher club for local teachers in her area. And this is all for Chadian teachers who don't have very many resources. So to be able to get training for free from someone who can provide it is really helpful for them. And she knows what she's doing because she tutored local children for a long time. So she's teaching them the same things that she had success with. She also started a biblical integration training like how to teach science or history or math from a biblical worldview and how to incorporate the Bible in that. But when she started doing that, she realized they don't know a lot of the Bible. And so she added a biblical training to accompany that. These things she does in Christian churches, which really means churches that were started, or schools, I'm so sorry. She does these in Christian schools, which really means they were just started by churches. They're funded by churches which means mostly teachers get paid, but not always. Um, but they were just kind of started by churches, so they're Christian in name only, and then other than that, they function completely like the other schools in Chad. So she started, she's like, hey, we have this opportunity to be teaching about the Bible, we should be doing this. And so that's why she started these trainings. So I am going to start with a biblical training because I know the Bible, and I'm not really qualified quite yet to teach how to read in Chad, but I can do the Bible. So there's actually some papers in the back that are the lessons of what I will teach. They're all in French, but I did translate some, and you can guess what some of them say. Uh, so I will be starting with those, and then the goal this whole next year will be to learn the other trainings that she provides, and then continue to use those. So she lives in the South, where there are more Christians. This is the house that I'm going to live in, but I'm just going to go through these quickly. I do have a bathroom. Lots of people ask about that, so good news. <laughs> um, she lives in the South, in the green area, but in the north and also just in the middle, like right where that line is, there are a very few Christian schools, but most of the people there are in unreached people groups and there's very little access to the Bible. So my hope is to travel some throughout the country, provide these trainings on like a week long basis but I won't be doing that every single day. I will be visiting with my neighbors, sharing the gospel with them, praying for times to sit on mats and drink tea and talk about Jesus. <laughs> That's the goal. But the trainings really open a lot of doors. They're highly, highly requested by lots of schools around the country. So my goal is to be able to say yes to some of those requests because there's too many right now for Catherine. So I'm excited about that. That is really all except just some prayer requests. This is where the war in Sudan is happening, and these are all the refugee camps in Chad. So the conflict is very close, and a lot of family members are in the war, affected by the war. There's a lot of refugees in Chad because of the war in Sudan, and there's no resources for them. There's, I mean, Chadians themselves face starvation almost every year, so to add in tons of refugees is incredibly difficult. So please pray, pray for the war in Sudan, pray for peace, and then pray for the refugees in Chad 
and the Chadians pray that rain would come and crops would grow, but not too much rain or it will flood. And you guys understand that. And then please just pray for me, pray that I would be more like Christ and pray that God even now would be opening the hearts of the Chadians that I will share the gospel with. Thank you so much. All right, if you'd like to uh, find out more about Chad and about what Caitlin will be doing there, she'll be at the table uh, in the foyer in the back. She'd love to answer any questions you have or go into some more details. Uh, uh, do you have any prayer cards with you uh, today? Yes. Yep, she has prayer cards, so you can take one of them with you so you can remember to pray for her and uh, follow along with what she'll be doing. Let's stand as we continue our worship. Children are dismissed for uh, children's church up to through third grade. I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. I'll be reading Acts chapter 18, and I'll be reading two portions from that chapter, 1 through 4, and then 18 through 23. Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, 
And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. And then jump down to verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. And Centria, he had, at Centria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a, a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. There's a marriage counselor who asks couples, why do you want to be married? And there's a variety of answers that go with that question. Uh, he makes me laugh. Uh, she's so much fun. Uh, he's the first person I want to tell things to. She has a cute nose. Uh, he is adventurous. She will go hiking, camping, and fishing with me. Uh, he will indulge my coffee addiction. She makes me feel special. He understands me. She understands me. We can have fun together doing absolutely nothing. Right? All these different answers are nice and romantic and sweet for why the couple wants to be together. But then the counselor says, if God brought you two together, might God have a larger purpose for your lives? Is it possible that God might have a mission in mind for you as a couple? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a mission-minded couple in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18 today, and we're in our series on shining stars of the early church. And so far, all the people we've talked about have been individuals. Uh, there was Stephen and Courage, and Barnabas the Encourager, Lydia and Hospitality, Philip the Evangelist. Last week was Jason and Suffering. Now, some of those folks may have been married, but the focus was on them as an individual believer and what they did for the Lord. But this week, we're going to focus in on a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is the wife. Aquila is the husband. And uh, I know we have a lot of singles and widows in the church, but for this week, we want to focus in on how God uses a couple. And there may be uh, some things about serving that may also apply to individuals and singles as well. The first thing you'll notice about the two of them is that they're always mentioned together. Acts 18.2, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Acts 18.18, 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and took leave of the brothers, set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. Acts 18.26, he spoke boldly in the synagogue, 
But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church at their house, send you hearty greetings. Romans 16, 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 19, greet Prisca and Aquila. You get the idea. This was a couple who was together a lot. They were almost always together. And so that leads to our first point this morning. Number one, Priscilla and Aquila shined through unity. They shined through unity. They served together. They did ministry together. They built up the church together. This is a couple who not only loved each other, I think they liked each other, if you know what I mean. They just, they just liked being together. They liked doing things together. Uh, they both wanted to serve Jesus. Now, if you look at the passage, Acts 18 begins with Paul in Corinth. Paul is on his second missionary journey. Corinth was a commercial city. It was a resort city. It's a great location right on the coast. Corinth was also a sports center with boxing and races and disc throwing. Corinth had a reputation as being a wild city. They worshipped Venus, the goddess of love, and there was all kind of immorality in that city. And so Corinth was ripe for the gospel to come. When Paul arrives in the city, he meets a Jewish couple who had accepted the Lord Jesus, Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila's name, by the way, Aquila means eagle, and Priscilla's name means of much respect. So those are our main characters. Those are their names. And Aquila and Priscilla were led to move to Corinth because of a dispersion of Jews under Claudius. Claudius was the fifth Roman emperor, reigning from 41 to 54 AD, and he had put a decree out against the Jews because he saw the Jews as a threat to Rome. And it's really interesting how the Lord uses these things. Just like, you know, God uh, used the census to have Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem at the appointed time, well, God used a persecution of the Jews to have Priscilla and Aquila end up in Corinth at just the right time. They were there when Paul arrived, and they were the perfect couple to, to host him. Priscilla and Aquila had a lot in common with Paul. They all had a Jewish background. They all worshipped Jesus, and they even had the same trade. They were all tent makers. Tent maker was a valuable trade in that day. A lot of people were traveling, a lot of people were camping back then. Tent making was hard work. Tents were made of goat's hair, and tent makers set up these long looms in order to do their work. Paul would preach on the Sabbath and make tents the rest of the week and then go and preach on the Sabbath once again. As we said last week, Paul desired that all Israel be saved. And so he used reasoning and logic and scripture to try to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Aquila and Priscilla provided Paul with great fellowship and support during that time in Corinth. As one writer said, quote, they spent part of their time making tents and the rest of their time making disciples. Paul didn't have to minister alone. He had a strong couple supporting him and working with him. Warren Wiersbe writes, every pastor and missionary 
thanks God for people like Aquila and Priscilla, people with hands, hearts, and homes dedicated to the work of the Lord. So, as we said, the first thing that really stands out about Priscilla and Aquila is their unity. You know, they were like-minded on the important things. Uh, who God is, who Jesus is, salvation, faith, the word. They, they both believed in these things. There were no major doctrinal issues. They were agreed on the important things. Also, they were working toward the same goal. They both wanted to honor the Lord with their lives. They both put God first. They spent their time serving God. It wasn't, you know, the husband's over here doing his thing and the wife's over here doing her thing and he has his life and she has her life and rarely do the lives ever meet. It wasn't like that. They were working together as a couple. And, you know, this is how it should be for couples. One of God's purposes for marriage is unity. How wonderful it is when you have a husband and wife who both follow the Lord. How wonderful it is when you have a husband and wife who both want to serve God with their lives. They help each other. They bring out the best in each other. They have the same goals and desires. Aquila operated as a servant leader in his home. He set the example in serving Christ. And then he was secure enough in his calling to allow his wife to shine in her service for Jesus. You know, churches need strong couples. Churches need strong singles too, for that matter. But churches need strong couples. Churches need couples with a passion for ministry. Churches need couples who are willing to get in there and serve. Our church has been blessed by many strong couples through the years. Couples in our children's ministry, couples in our youth ministry, couples in college and career ministry, couples in small groups who have made a difference for the church. And we could always use more couples getting involved. Couples are good because it's, it's two people working together, encouraging each other, keeping each other accountable. Couples oftentimes have different gifts that they bring to that ministry. One may be good at hospitality, one is good at teaching, one is good at counseling, one is good at encouraging, one is good at fixing things, one is good at administration, and so on. They can do more together as a couple. Uh, one might be the talkative one, one might be the quiet one, and God uses those personalities. Couples are good on a practical basis because a husband can work with the men and boys and a wife can work with uh, the ladies and girls. Focus, Focus on the Family put out an article, when my husband Dale and I counsel premarital couples, we encourage them to intentionally start serving together right from the start. In the book, Countdown for Couples, Preparing for the Adventure of Marriage, we talk about the importance of having a servant's heart towards each other and to everyone. Participating together in ministry opportunities, whether in the church or community, can help a couple grow in their faith. Couples who embrace God's call to serve others experience an added closeness, and there are special moments and memories that naturally come when you do things together." Unquote. Neil and Cheryl Josephson are the directors of Family Life Canada. 
And Neil says, the first part of our marriage, we worked separately. Cheryl is a TV news anchor and me in Christian higher education. He says, we served at our church separately. We served on boards and committees separately. We volunteered in the community separately. We led Bible studies separately. He said it was 20 years into our marriage before we first served together. He says our pastor asked us to lead a marriage retreat for the church, and more out of respect for him than anything, we agreed. He says, I hope the couples that came to the event enjoyed it because it wasn't much fun for us. But now, 16 years later, we're working together full time, leading Family Life Canada and loving it. Now, obviously, there's some roles in the church that do require individuals to be on a board or a committee. But you also want to make time to serve with your spouse. So many couples, you know, are just trying to get along, just trying to eke out a living from week to week. But there's a higher purpose, serving God together. And Neil has some recommendations for us. He says, do something you both care about. Do something you're both passionate about. Look for opportunities and start where you're at. You might be able to support another couple or help a current ministry grow. You and your spouse can have a great impact on others. That leads to a, a second point. Number two, Priscilla and Aquila shined through missions. Look again at, at verse 18. just want to highlight this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Centuria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking his leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Now, you know, Paul doesn't like to stay in one place very long. He's always on the move. And he goes to Ephesus and takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. This couple, you see, not only supported missions, they actually did missions. They went with Paul. They had a real heart and desire to see people saved. You'll notice in this section that Priscilla is mentioned first, the wife, before her husband is mentioned, which is very unusual in that culture. It may indicate that Priscilla was more well-known by the people, but we're not exactly sure. Either way, they traveled with Paul to Syria, and while he was there, Paul took a vow, likely a Nazarite vow, cut his hair. This was something that Samson had done, that John the Baptist had done, other preachers had done in yielding to God. Meanwhile, Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila, travel with Paul. Ephesus was a major seaport city, had the famous Temple of Diana in it. The city had a, a big theater, was really into the arts and entertainment. It was another place that needed the gospel. And Paul preached in the synagogues there in Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila supported him as tent makers. And Priscilla and Aquila, they really loved Paul. They had a deep friendship with him. They wanted him to stay. But Paul's on the move again, leaving them in Ephesus. Paul needed to move on, but he knew that he had a good couple that he could trust to the ministry in Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila were needed there in Ephesus, so they stayed there. They started a church in their house. 
When Priscilla and Aquila settled in Ephesus, it wasn't because of a good career move. They weren't there to make a lot of money. They were there to spread the gospel. They wanted to help that young church in Ephesus grow. And they were willing to do the Lord's work in a different city if that's what the Lord's will was. They weren't afraid to travel. Priscilla and Aquila were happy to go wherever the Lord would take them. That's, that's a mission-minded couple. This was a couple who just loved to jump in and serve where needed. And they weren't afraid of suffering either. Romans 16.3 tells us, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. Hey, this was a couple who was brave. This was a couple who was flexible. And as we'll see in a moment, God had a specific purpose for them being in Ephesus. But you know, it makes me think we need mission-minded couples like this. Couples who will be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. Couples who are willing to go on the mission field and serve him. Couples who will go on a short-term mission. Maybe you'll go to another part of the, the country, another part of the state, and do a mission project there. May the Lord give us some mission-minded couples. You know, so many times, a couple's approach to church is, hey, what's in it for me, right? Uh, is the church serving my needs? Uh, some couples show up at church, and it's like, hey, we're here. <clears throat> we made it this week. Serve me, minister to me, love me, right? Priscilla and Aquila were the other way. They're like, hey, we're here, and we're here to serve. Uh, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so in a healthy church, you have mutual submission where everybody's serving each other. Everybody gets a chance to serve and be served. And so this challenges us. Couples, are we willing to go on mission for Jesus. Couples, are, are we more on the, the serving side or are we more on the receiving side when it comes to ministry? You know, I think about this. I think about uh, Jim and Joanne Callahan. I had the opportunity to meet them uh, a few years back at our Missions Circle event. And uh, I emailed them this week with some questions about their ministry and they were nice enough to respond. They've worked together and ministered together ever since they got married 42 years ago. They worked in Joanne's home church for a time. Then they served as dorm parents at Faith Academy in the Philippines for 11 years. And now they've been working at Cedar Lane Mission Homes for the last 25 years. Cedar Lane Mission Homes is actually right here in New Jersey, in Laurel Springs, they provide housing to missionaries who are on home assignment. This is a place that's always filled with families and kids. There's a lot for them to do there, from the food pantry to laundry services to donations to kids programs. And Jim and Joanne do it all. They spend a lot of time together. They're a faithful, mission-minded couple. Jim shared with me, quote, our individual responsibilities in caring for Cedar Lane could have been done independently, but we often found ways to work together. Joanne would help me with the newsletter and by writing the monthly thank you letter. I would help her by uh, resetting and preparing the homes for the next family coming in. 
He says, though your individual responsibilities may be different in the ministry, always respect and appreciate your ministry partner and their special gifts and roles of service. Uh, and so they're a great encouragement to us, Jim and Joanne, up at Cedar Lane, but we want to be couples that are doing the Lord's work. And so is there something that God would have you do as a couple? Have you gone on mission for him? And singles, will you and your future spouse serve the Lord together? That leads to our last point. Number three, Priscilla and Aquila shined through the word. Look at verse 24. Down a little further in Acts 18, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. All right, so here we have another Jewish Christian who comes to Ephesus. Apollos was from Alexandria over in Egypt. Alexandria was a uh, a Greek influence area, had a large number of Jews. Alexandria was the home of one of the greatest libraries of the ancient world and was just a seat of learning. And so Apollos comes from there and he's a gifted speaker. He has some understanding of the scriptures. Priscilla and Aquila hear him teaching in the synagogue and they're impressed. They're like, yeah, we like Apollos's boldness. Yeah, we like Apollos's knowledge of some of the Old Testament things they recognized some deficiencies. He knew about John's baptism, but not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John's baptism, of course, was repentance toward God. But Jesus' baptism pictures his death, his burial, his resurrection, power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paulus is up there, you know, preaching his heart out, and Priscilla and Aquila knew the scriptures so well, they were like, uh, he's missing something. And so they take him aside. They didn't publicly embarrass him in the synagogue or in front of the Jews. They take him aside. And it says they explained the word of God to him more accurately and how the scriptures lined up. They probably reviewed with Apollos the, the life and ministry of Jesus on the earth, his sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross, his victorious resurrection from the tomb, his glorious ascension into heaven, salvation by faith alone, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. I mean, it had to be a good time. <laughs> I'd love to know <clears throat> exactly what they talked about. God brought Apollos to Ephesus to receive his training. <clears throat> Because he needed proper doctrine and theology. I mean, just imagine a hotshot evangelist being taken to school by two tent makers. But you know what? That's how God works, doesn't he? So that's what happened. And Aquila and Priscilla were a great help to Apollos. They were a great benefit to his ministry. It says that the training made Apollos even stronger after Priscilla and Aquila uh, talked with him he went over to Acacia, and he had a great ministry there debating with the Jews and telling them all about 
Jesus. But that was only possible because he had spent time learning from Priscilla and Aquila. And so this was a couple who knew the word of God. This is a couple who understood theology. This was a couple who was sharp in the scriptures. Sure, they were very busy making their tents and running their tent-making business, but they still found time for God's word. Priscilla and Aquila may not have been, you know, the greatest speakers like Apollos was, but they understood scripture. And, you know, this is what couples should aspire to today, to really want to know the word, to have discussions about the word of God, to, to both love the word of God. Uh, husbands and wives need to open the word together. Read a, a daily bread. Read a verse of the day. Uh, talk about your quiet times with each other. Our homes should be places where God's word is read and taught. And so a question for, <clears throat> for couples then is, do you know the word so well that you might be able to train a young person in the scriptures? You know, you never know. God may give you the joy of nurturing a young person like Priscilla and Aquila nurtured Apollos. Well, that leads us all to think about Jesus. You know, Jesus had a heart for couples. Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding. Husbands are commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died on the cross for men, for women, so they could have their sins forgiven and have a relationship with God. And then he rose again to give men and women eternal life in himself. In Jesus, we have that higher purpose for our lives. And that purpose is to serve, whether you're a single, a couple, a widow, or however God has called you. We're called to serve. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Well, in conclusion, God did some great things through Priscilla and Aquila. They touched Paul's life. They touched Apollos' life. Uh, they supported the spread of the gospel in Corinth. They supported the spread of the gospel in Ephesus. This was truly a godly couple. They had unity. They went on missions. And they knew the word of God. For next steps, that's the challenge to you. Couples, are you united in your faith in Jesus? Couples, is there a ministry that you could get involved in as a couple? Have you prayed about a short-term mission project? Couples, are you growing in the word as a couple? You know, if, if you are serving the Lord as a couple, let the example of Priscilla and Aquila encourage you to keep going. May Jesus use couples to reach people. May the Lord give us more couples like Priscilla and Aquila who are just willing to serve the Lord together with their lives. And Lord, that's what we pray for today. We pray, Lord, that you would give us uh, modern-day couples like Priscilla and Aquila, good couples in the church, good couples in missions who just want to uh, love you, serve you, bless people. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, our couples here in our church would experience the, the unity of knowing you and serving you. And Lord, uh, as I said, there's many here today who are not a couple. We pray, Lord, that they would be your servants, knowing that Jesus was a servant. Lord, help each one of us to put the needs of others before our own. Help each one of us to be mission-minded in our thinking, knowing that there are many people who need to be touched. There are many people who are lost. Lord, help us to go to them and to serve them. Lord, we uh, uh, confess so often we, we think only of ourselves. Lord, help us to think of others today. Lord, I pray again for um, 
the, the mission and the ministry you're going to be doing in Chad. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless uh, Caitlin and others as they go to that needed area. Lord, we pray that there would be mission-minded couples there who would be willing to uh, host them and support them in what they do. And Lord, I pray for that one today who uh, doesn't know Jesus, that, Lord, they would look at their lives, that they would look to the scriptures and see that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one we need. There is no greater thing than knowing you. And so I pray that today they would make Jesus their Savior, accept him into their heart. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Let's stand in worship.
may have the privilege of serving an amazing God. If you're here today and you just need some, uh, uh, some support in how you serve the Lord, maybe support as a, uh, a single, a couple, whatever it is, our uh, altar will be open. We would love to uh, encourage you today and, and uh, help you to keep serving him. Lord, you are an awesome God. And uh, Lord, uh, help us to, to take you uh, and the knowledge of you to others. Lord, uh, help us to be mission-minded. Lord, that your name would be uh, praised, that you would be known among the peoples of the earth. Lord, help us to be mission-hearted. Help us to be mission-minded in all that we do. And Lord, I do pray that you'll bless each one for their service to you. In Jesus' name, amen.